0: teaching and healing and they're speaking to the people in the temple and just to make sure the people understand why a man has just been healed they say very clearly by faith in the name of Jesus the man whom you see and know was made strong let's look at the response to those words from verse 1 the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers the elders and the teachers of the law met in jerusalem and as the high priest was there and so were caiaphas john alexander and others of the high priest's family they had peter and john brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this then peter filled with the holy spirit said to them Rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Thank
1: you for that reading, brother. That was, that was very great and um, timely. Uh, to hear this type of message, I think in the cultural context we're in at the moment, uh, I just got a message in about 30 seconds, and I, I just wanted to warn you all, there's about 100 militant soldiers... That are waiting outside and they're about to raid this church and anyone with a bible in their hand anyone that is a believer in jesus will face consequences possibly of loss of possession of imprisonment and i want to leave the question to you what do you do what was your response do you do you drop everything you have and and just kind of run out the back door or do we stand courageously, no matter the consequence? In fact, in one of the books, the Extreme Devotion book, uh, the first couple of pages you read, it will strike you that there's one pastor in China that actually goes to church with a gym bag prepared, ready to go to prison. <laughs> That's profound, right? Uh, it's never crossed my mind to ever bring a gym bag unless I was going to the gym. <laughs> but to bring it to church knowing the consequence of your faith. I, I believe there's such a, a time where we need to be sharpened by our brothers and sisters, and that's the reason why I have this first question up there. Why standing with a persecuted church matters to Jesus? That's quite a simple question to answer. We, we can see in uh, chapter 9 of Acts, verse 3 onwards, Saul encounters the resurrected, living Jesus. And his question is, he's going to Damascus. He's on his way to persecute Christians who are quite young in their faith in Jesus. And on his way, he he sees a gleaming light. And so he's struck down to the floor, and Jesus asks him, "'Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord?' I am Jesus, who are you, you are persecuting. Saul's on his way to persecute Damascus Christians, not Jesus, but for us, we need to realize that Jesus intimately and directly identifies with the very Christians that are going to face ridicule for their faith. As if he was undergoing the same sufferings as they are. And so for us, this is why it matters to Jesus that we remember our persecuted brothers and sisters. And I left this question for us last year as well. How does the persecuted church, how does their ministry become a gift of God to you? How do they minister to you and how is that a gift to you? That's quite a profound thing uh, for, for us that have everything at arm's reach, everything at convenience. Uh, we have more Bibles than we know what to do with on our bookshelf But yet, there's many brothers and sisters. In fact, Pastor Alu, who you see here, who's from uh, Indonesia. A little bit of background about my story. Uh, In 2019, I was given the privilege of going to Indonesia to interview persecuted Christians. I was still a bit tiptoeing in my faith, wasn't that convicted. But I tell you, until I heard and saw the joy that they have, particularly Pastor Alu, he's a madrasa leader, an imam of imams, and he teaches them the Quran, and and basically they run mosques through his ministry. And going through the Quran one day, he actually discovered that Isa al-Masir, Jesus, is the way to salvation. Muhammad is confused, has no idea (laughs) the way to heaven. But Jesus was the way. And, and as he became more intrigued to read about Jesus, he started to um, read the New Testament and got deeper revelation that Jesus is the way. And this is the very thing that he teaches uh, without the New Testament until they, uh, they're open to receiving one. He teaches Jesus from the Quran, And he's seen about 140 uh, in one year, 140 jihadis converted, or wanting to, to take a New Testament. So he's got a profound ministry, but he's always in danger. In fact, in the 15 years he's been ministering, he says 492 t- two times he's had probably that threat, or ridiculed, or reviled for his faith that militant soldiers were going to come through. And he's actually been imprisoned three or four times, been poisoned twice. But for me, I, I, I'm sitting, sitting here watching this guy, and he's talking about the sufferings that he's going through. I mean, I can count on one hand how many times I've been rejected for sharing the gospel. I'm like so discouraged. You know, it's hard. Jesus, why didn't you just convert everyone that I share it with? 492 times with your, your life hanging on the balance. And he, he proceeds to continue what he's sharing, but he's laughing joyful. He's got a deep, burly voice. And I had to ask the question, what is wrong with this guy? (laughs) There's either something he knows about that I haven't read or he's drinking something that I haven't had yet. But it's an honest truth. Like there's a deeper faith that I longed for after that trip that is always, it's burdened my heart. And I'm like, Jesus, I want that. I want that courageous, boldness, faith. That is real freedom. It's a freedom that the world can't give you. And it's a freedom that, whether life or death, I know that I'm going to serve Christ because he's worthy. If tomorrow the instruments don't work, or they burnt up, or maybe the lights go out, would you still come? Would you still come to, to gather, to sing his praises, Because as a matter of fact, we have an example, thousands of them, from our persecuted brothers and sisters. Voice of the martyrs, and it's an exhortation to us, as it was for the early church, is Hebrews 13, 1 to 3. And I'll read from verse 3. Continue to remember the prisoners as if you were imprisoned with them. (laughs) and those who are mistreated as if you were undergoing their same sufferings, for you were in the body also. That is a a profound exhortation. To remember a prisoner as if you were in the very prison cell with them, and therefore it would be, I I challenge you, it would be very hard to forget them, to allow them to, to slip from your mind. But this is going out to a persecuted church, a young church that's facing loss of property, exclusion of their their beliefs, and you know, they're starting to, some, some have suffered public beatings. It says that in uh, chapter 10, verse 32 onwards, remember the time when you started to suffer these things. But I want to tell you that Jesus is your great high priest. He's able to deliver you from all difficulties and therefore Remember the brothers and sisters because they can encourage your faith. They can spur you on to show that the Lord's grace is sufficient in all circumstances. This is the 1040 window. Uh, A lot of coloring in there. The different coloring ends means either hostile or covert operations of the gospel going out. Places like North Korea, Afghanistan, Iran, and it's really hard to, to have any form of Christianity openly practiced there. But if I were to ask you this question, if your wife nudges you in the, in the ribs and she was um, supposedly wanting to go on holidays, she wants to waste your money and. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wives. Um, <laughs> she wants to waste your money and she, she wants to go to, for example, a northern part of Indonesia. Ayak, actually holds to Sharia law. And you were to pack your bags and uh, what would you say would deem, be deemed illegal or, or banned, not only to take in on the plane but to that country? You'd obviously say, I mean, I you yeah, had a prop that normally comes up and you had to guess, um, but it's already there. If you were to take a knife or a gun or, or a bomb or any drugs, that would be an illicit substance. But the very word of God that sets man free is such a threat to these countries. 52 countries around the world, 14 territories that are isolated. Mindanao in the Philippines, the northern part of Indonesia, Ayak, which holds to Sharia law. You can't freely proclaim your faith there or hand a Bible. It's such a threat to them. And I, I use this example to say we have to realize that this is a spiritual war that we are fighting. It's not a war of flesh and blood. There's no reason why an ancient book should be banned. But this is a reality for many brothers and sisters around the world. and, And in fact, 360 million of them. That number baffles my mind. Think of the population of Australia. And we already think it's starting to get quite big. 360 million of them in hostile regions facing persecution for their faith. That number's risen about 80 million in the last few years and excessively or or consecutively over the last 16 years, this number has increased. 16 of them today on a daily average would die for their faith. 16, that's every individual, That's that's a mother or a father or a wife and I'd ask you, is that a brother or a sister to you? Um, the numbers in the brackets would be what it was a few years ago. 17 of them are unjustly detained and, and uh, imprisoned. Many of these things happen in Islamic countries or uh, communist regimes. We're starting to see it more and more in Hindu nations like Nepal, like India. And I've got a, a testimony that I'm going to share at the end about India, but I thought India, I mean, I thought Hinduism and, and Buddhism was a, a peaceful religion. Ten of them are kidnapped. And this happens all the time uh, to sell young, vulnerable women as brides to older men in Islamic countries, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and, and places like that. And this is happening on a daily basis. And so for us, I know these numbers are a burden for us, but I wanted to give us a bigger picture, but also to ask, when last, when you were scrolling through Snapchat or TikTok or even the daily news, did you hear about any of these stories? You know, there's a lot of floods and there's a lot of different catastrophes that happen and, and I pray that God has mercy on them, but these are our brothers and sisters and I believe it's, it's, our way of being uh, uh, called to step in and stand in the gap for them, to remember them and to be a voice for them, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's in our prayers or or daily circles. Who else is going to remember them? The news doesn't care, really. From... My experience, I haven't faced much persecution. In fact, I had a brother recently while we were out on the streets in Town Hall uh, that was spat in the face, and that was disgusting, but, you know, that's a form of persecution because he didn't accept the gospel. This is what the Lord is doing in places like Pagan Central Town Hall in Sydney. Modern-day Corinth, you could say, about... Every Friday when we meet up here, there's a team that zealously meets at prayer at 6, 6 p.m. until about 10, a. Uh, 10 p.m., and we're seeing about 15 to 30 of them make decisions for Jesus. And, and these are young people, college students, international students from all different parts of the globe. And I would say if God is doing things like this in Sydney uh, it's a profound conviction that he wants. He's he's drawing the nations to himself. And in fact, some of us stay until like 1 a.m. 1 a. in the morning to witness because they're so zealous, we're so hungry to see souls receive true freedom, the very word of God that sets man free. Bendigo. Some of you may have traveled through there. Um, yeah. In Bendigo, drug addicted, domestic violence, heavy domestic violence, 153 decisions were made to step to take a step closer to Jesus in two days of outreach. I, I want to highlight that people are responding. They're, they're thirsty, they're hungry. Young people, look at the one on the on the bottom. That's Trent the Baptizer. <laughs> These six young boys, as they heard the gospel, they're Christians, but a lot of their friends are Buddhists. They wanted to get baptized at a waterhole as they heard us share that the Lord wants, he's looking to to bless you. And this warms my heart so much that 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds are making a witness, are making a stand for Jesus. And imagine the witness for their friends that are watching this as well. Many of us may know of uh, Vietnam. Din is a a woman that, uh, she has young kids, but she unfortunately lost her husband and she's a widow. If you're not sure about Vietnam, it's actually labeled as 25 on the world watch list for persecuted countries. Vietnam, not too far away from us. Many of us would travel there for good food, good fur, (laughs) cheap clothing, Persecution is on the rise there, like we haven't seen before. It's, it's actually starting to look more and more like China. You have to register before you actually go to uh, church gatherings. Uh, and a lot of the persecution actually happening in the rural, isolated areas under the Buddhist and co- post-communist government. But one day, during the COVID pandemic, Uh, Din wasn't able to earn much money, and so they they used her vulnerability. They marked her house, and the authorities stormed over to her house one day. She heard a knock on the door, and Din opened, and they, they they waved this sheet of paper in her face. Din, you're starting to disturb the spirits in this place. We know that you are a Christian. If you do not sign this piece of paper to renounce your faith, there's going to be consequences. We've got rations here for you. We've got rice and oats to feed your young kids. But if if you do not sign it, there's no support from us. Din, standing firm in her faith and her conviction, said, no, I'll continue to trust the Lord. Uh, What would you do? (laughs) How would you react? Because a month later, the same authorities came through, waving the sheet in her face again, Din, if you do not sign this piece of paper, again, there's going to be consequences. She stood strong in her faith and they barged through her front door, sat her down on the kitchen chair and they picked up a boiling hot stove that was on the the burner and they poured it all over her lap. And I'm not sure if you've felt boiling water on your lap before, but it needs medical procedure. And for her, she doesn't have much uh, to give, or they don't get much medical support in Vietnam if they're marked as a Christian. And so when, church, when the church heard about this, we were able to stand with her, providing resources. Again, what would you do if this was your mum, or your sister, or your brother? In fact, when we stand with them, the gospel goes out in a profound way in countries like this. <laughs> the the, Buddhists, are actually, the Buddh- Buddhists in the village are actually asking the question. They have the assumption that Christians are hypocrites. Do they really love each other? Are they really wanting to stand with each other? And when this happens and she's able to bless the other neighbor that hasn't had much with the same resources she's been blessed with, the gospel goes out. And so I, I urge you to remember Vietnam and, and Din and many like her in your prayers. Yeah, the story is a bit heavy, um, and I think I actually missed my sermon, but maybe that's a good thing. Um, I will get back to it, sorry. <laughs> that's why you were frowning at me. No, okay. <laughs> uh, this story is quite heartfelt. This is a brother in India. His name is Natish, uh, a young guy. 2021, uh, he was, as a good, good kid does, went to the village market one day to get vegetables uh, for his parents. And, you know, as um, they know that he's a Christian in that neighborhood, what? what's wrong with me? <laughs> they know that he's a Christian in that neighborhood. And radicals some presume it was Hindus, uh, came past and they doused him with uh, what he thought was water. And he thought it was a practical joke, and as, he, as you do, you just stand there and maybe shake it off a little bit. And as he realized, as the seconds were going by, he started to feel a burning sensation on his skin. They actually threw acid on him, and about 80% of his body was severely burnt. In fact, his family are so poor that they couldn't actually get him to a hospital that was suitable to treat him, and it took about four days before they actually got him to uh, the hospital. The doctors were actually amazed that Natish survived that long. Uh, his hemoglobin levels were so low, he lost that much blood, and he has that much skin that is deteriorated that they have to do blood transfusions continuously. He's only got enough, uh, the only option for him is skin grafting. But there's not enough skin on his body, except for a little bit on his chest and the sole of his foot. And, and this young man is in that pain and persevering through these things. Uh, his family have had to take care of him. Obviously, that, it's a financial strain on the family to do that. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, di- uh, Natish didn't make it. And in India, this is a very common occurrence under Hindu radicalists. In fact, under the Modi government, in the last six to seven years, we've seen the most dramatic persecution of Christians. Houses being demolished by radical Hindus that are, that are paid by the government, the RSS, to go in and, and cleanse the village. Uh, public beatings and things like this happen marked, marked out by Christians. And this is a young christian family meaning that they've only come to christ two or three years ago before that but i want to encourage you to look at his brother's response this is for me the most one of the most profound responses sanjeet says this since we've started to believe in christ two years ago the evil spirits left my mother and her health was restored to our family we are still poor, but there is happiness in our lives after we started to follow Jesus. We never got scared of oppo- opposition. We continued to go to church despite the threats. Even today, after my, what my brother has gone through, we will not forsake Christ. We will continue to remain faithful to him until we die. <laughs> a young believer, barely a few years old in his faith, but they have been set free and they can't help but speak about this freedom. This is why they're targeted. They get blocked all the time when they go to church. And so reflecting on the passage and how these testimonies are relevant to us, how, do, how does this story become relevant to us to spur us off in our own faith? In Acts 4, we see that a man is miraculously healed. They're facing the same leaders that Jesus faced in John 18. Annas, Caiaphas, and the rest of the Sanhedrin. In fact, the Sadducees, as you read them, they, it says in verse 2 that they were greatly pained when they heard that they were proclaiming healing in the name of Jesus. Why? Why? Shouldn't they be happy? Uh, weren't they waiting for the Messiah? The Sadducees are like our modern-day materialists. They don't, they don't believe in um, angels. They don't really believe in the spirit life. They don't believe in um, the afterlife or the resurrection of the body. And these are the Sadducees. What, what a way to live. Like Imagine having no hope after death, and this is why they're sad, you see. <laughs> I just had to throw that one in there. <laughs> but the reality is, how many in our circles of university, circles are materialists, that if you talk about the resurrection of the dead, it sounds like such a crazy thing to them. Angels and, and miraculous things. It It sounds like such a crazy thing, but this is why it's relevant for us. In fact, it says that they were greatly pained, and when they asked, by what name have you done this? They said, by the name of Jesus, the one that you have crucified. They were ready. This is a loaded question. According to Deuteronomy 13, if anyone comes to, your, uh, to you proclaiming a prophet, a false prophet, you are to stone them to death. And I believe they're standing there ready with stones in their hands, to stone the disciples, but because of the fear of the people, because they were gathering to praise what God had done, they didn't do anything. Something about politics and like fear of people—they they kind of just fold when you know there's votes on this side, and they they don't do anything. Um, but this is why it's relevant for us. But I want to ask you this question: This is a very young church. In fact, you we can see from the scriptures that only maybe a week. Uh, or two weeks old. 3,000 are saved in the, in the chapter before, in verse 3. And that's just the men they're counting. We see here 5,000 saved. And again, if you, if you duplicate that, that's about 15,000 coming to the Lord when he pours out his Spirit. But this is a young church that's now going to face ridicule for their faith, persecution. And in fact, at this period, this is the first Mark persecution that we're going to read of. Um, but the thing is, when Peter and John actually go to these young disciples, they proclaim that they had been in prison. Uh, if you're a young disciple and you're looking for a model to persevere, these weren't the best people to look up to, right? If we, if we remember John, um, sorry, if we remember in John 20, these disciples that are now proclaiming that they are so confident in the Lord are the same ones when Mary Magdalene said that she had seen the risen Christ. Verse 19. She had seen the, the resurrected Lord, He's defeated death. She told them, and these are the same disciples that are locking their, their, their hiding, cowardly in a room, away from the religious leaders that they're now standing boldly in front of doesn't make any sense. In, math, in Luke 22, we know this passage quite well. Jesus talks about true humility of leadership and sacrificial love. And Simon so boldly and confidently says, Lord, if you go to prison, if you go to the cross, if you're, wherever you go, Lord, I'm ready to die with you. I'm ready to follow you wherever you want. Just say the word. Simon, Simon, Peter desire, I mean, the devil, Satan desires to sift you like chaff. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And after you have experienced my grace, go ahead and strengthen your brothers. That's a, I believe there's a word there for all of us because in his arrogance, he said in his heart that he would follow the Lord in his own strength, and then the, ne- the next two chapters, we see him denying the Lord. In fact, one to a slave girl, a lady that holds no authority in the public square. This confident, bold leader in his own strength. But there is a difference between the Holy Spirit blessing us and and the ones that when we're trying to do it in our own confidence. And so as we see what do these young disciples pray for? You know, you may be young in your faith and, and fragile, but I believe that it's not needing a model uh, to do these things. And it's said they constantly gathered for prayer. But I want to I challenge you and ask you, what are you praying in your prayer life? What does your prayer life look like to stand boldly in your faith? Because in verse 29 of Acts 4, Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They asked for the very same boldness and faith, Parizia, that is used when it says that Peter stood up among the, the apostles and boldly proclaimed that Jesus is the Messiah in front of Jews that, that couldn't understand. That same, ver- uh, the same chapter that we're reflecting on, it says that in verse 13, that when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those who saw that, uh, Jesus what Jesus had done, they stood up in boldness, but they said that these were unlearned men, confidence and boldness to speak the word is what these disciples prayed for, these young, fragile disciples. And this was such an honorable thing to Jesus to pray for. Lord, fill us with courage, fill us with boldness to proclaim your word, that the ground there, verse 31, after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. This was such an honorable thing to the Lord. This warmed the the heart of Jesus so much that the ground was shaken beneath their feet and the gospel went out further. And so how are your prayers going? What are you praying for in order to to evangelize, in order to, to witness to your family, to those in your community? And I believe the Lord is wanting, with the same courage these young disciples prayed for, to continue persevering, He's wanting to bless you with that as well, in your communities, like he blessed Natish, like he blesses uh, Din. When the, the, the toughest circumstances they're going into, the only thing they can rely on is the Lord's grace and his courage. This is what they ask for. And the scripture tells us that it's an honorable thing to pray for that. In fact, Paul and Silas, in the midst of trouble, The only time the the ground was shaken, again in the book of Acts, is when they're praising God in the midst of their suffering. (laughs) I uh, would love to see on the news report one day that Wollongong was shaken by the prayers of the saints in Wollongong Baptist Church to pray for boldness to speak his word without fear. And in fact, they they say to the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, You consider whether God, if we should should, uh, listen to you or to God, but as for us, we cannot help but speak what we have seen and heard. (laughs) What have you seen and heard? What have you experienced in your life of Jesus to speak boldly about? If you're looking for an encounter, ask him. If you're looking for courage, he will bless you with it. Because his word is true and his word, no matter the circumstance of persecution, will hold true like it does for our brothers and sisters in India or Vietnam or Nepal or North Korea. So I I just want to bless you with that, but also challenge you. This is how our persecuted brothers and sisters can be an encouragement to us how they can bless us, how their ministry can be a gift to us. So continue to remember the persecuted Christians doesn't feel so burdensome once you have this perspective, I believe, <laughs> that they're actually there to encourage your faith, to glorify the Lord, and to rebuke the schemes of the enemy. And I, and I love this insight that I, I got. As we're praying for Natish, as we're praying for Din, one day in heaven... It says that we're going to meet all of the saints that have persevered around the throne of the Lamb. And you can imagine the conversations we're going to be having. One day I'm going to go up to Natish and, brother, while you were persevering in your suffering, or or his brother, I was praying for you like this. And he's going to say, yes, guess what? God did this. He provided. He was able to um, provide a breakthrough for work for food he's able to save our whole village and and guess what you were praying for me and i i believe that's the sweetest heavenly reward that we can receive when it talks about heavenly rewards there's going to be endless joy in heaven of what god did in our midst of prayer meeting north korean christians one day chinese christians for me i'm so excited for prayer having this perspective and i and i hope this spurs you on to say that your prayers are not in vain there's so many examples of god intervening through saints that have gathered like in the book of acts and so continue to remember them one of the ways to make it easier for you to know their testimonies and to inform your prayers is through the magazine and they will come to you monthly this is one of the latest ones there's resources here but it's designed to bless you with their testimony and not have it be bound by monetary value. So feel free to take a, a, a couple and um, you know, even share one with a friend that you feel is going through a difficult time. I'll leave it there. Uh, there was a video I promised. I don't know if you're angry at me that I, I didn't play the video. We could, we could still play it, but it's, uh, it's about time. But I just want to pray for us now. Uh, if we can bow our heads. Jesus, I thank you that each and every individual here has a calling on their life. Each of them has a purpose of glorifying your gospel, of persevering. And I thank thank you that we are not left to our own devices, to our own thoughts, our own confidence and courage, our own strength to do this. But we have a, a body of believers to encourage us to spur us on like the great cloud of witnesses, even those that have gone before us. I pray that you, you strengthen us and challenge us to say, what have you seen and heard? Jesus is true, and he wants to bless us. So I pray that each heart would be open here and challenged profoundly by your body uh, that's persecuted in Jesus' name. Amen.